Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So, as everyone knows, today is Friday. Coming up on Monday is everybody's favorite romantic holiday. Or I guess it's a favorite for some. It's definitely a favorite for the various card, candy, and flower companies across the U.S. I also can't forget about all of the jewelry stores as well. I would imagine that they are thrilled with their sales at this time of the year. But anyway, as you know, Monday is Valentine's Day. Which means this week's Adam Analyzes will be my Valentine's Day episode, even though it's arriving a little bit early. This has become a little bit of a tradition for me, and of course it all stems back to 31 Nights of Frights, which was an annual thing, and seems that every holiday is coming up, it's a little bit of an annual thing for me now. I try to usually think outside the box and try to pick some unconventional films for these particular holidays. For Valentine's Day last year, I picked the film After Midnight. The year before, it was the one I love. This year, the film is a little bit more on the conventional side, even if it's wrapped up in an unconventional package. So I think it's time to announce the movie. Starring Nicholas Holt, Teresa Palmer, and John Malkovich, this is the 2013 Jonathan Levine-directed Warm Bodies. Nicholas Holt stars as R, a zombie who actually has a lot to say. He just can't get the words out very well. He spends his days wandering around an airport terminal, contemplating his existence as well as if there's more to life, or in his case, his existence as one of the undead. The most exciting thing in his life, outside of walking the airport terminal, is hanging out with his friend M played by Rob Cordery. R's life changes when he tells M the word eat, which means he wants food. Or to be more correct, brains. R, M, and a group of other zombies come across a scouting group looking for supplies. This is where R meets Julie for the first time, as he is attacked by Julie's boyfriend, Perry, played by Dave Franco. R proceeds to kill Perry and eat his brain, in the process of doing so, he also gets Perry's memories. It's established that these zombies really do like the brain the most because it allows them to experience another person's life and thoughts. R proceeds to rescue Julie and take her back to his airplane that he lives in. He's also a collector of sorts. He likes to collect different things and also likes to listen to records. This also sparks a change in R. He starts to become more alive, and those feelings for Julie become stronger as the film goes on. The only thing standing in the way of R and Julie's happiness is the fact that he's dead, and also Julie's father, Grigio, is leading the war against the undead with the few remaining survivors, or any survivors that they can pick up along the way. First things first, yes, this is based off a book, and if you're wondering, yes, the book is better. It's a lot better, but it doesn't mean the movie is not any good. We will not be comparing the movie to the book. If it does happen a little bit, I apologize for that, but I really want to judge the movie on its own merits and not as a adaptation. Do I wish that this was a better adaptation of the book? Sure, but what's presented here is perfectly fine and makes for a pretty entertaining film. It is a film that could have benefited from a couple changes, most notably that all-important PG-13 rating. 
I really do feel like the PG-13 rating is a hindrance here. This is supposed to be a horror film, a horror love story, a horror love story comedy, or as Shaun of the Dead put it, a rom-zom-com. I honestly don't like that term too much, so I will not be using it, I don't think, anymore for this episode. So that's one of my first gripes about this movie, is the PG-13 rating. It feels very sanitized to me. There is practically no blood and gore, despite the somewhat gruesome premise and potential and some of the things that's actually described in the book. It would have been nice to keep a little bit of that here. I know it's wise for a company to go with a PG-13 rating, especially since I think they were trying to go for the Twilight crowd here. I have not seen any of the Twilight films, I don't expect that to change anytime soon, but without Twilight and its PG-13 rating, Warm Bodies probably would have never made that leap from book to screen. I know that they were going very light on horror here, it just would have been nice to have more of that there. Maybe more of a influence from Return of the Living Dead Part 3, which if you haven't guessed by now, the main character's name is R, then you also have Julie, that's obviously in reference to Romeo and Juliet. Is this an actual adaptation of Romeo and Juliet simply with zombies? No. Like a lot of things that's featured in the film, it's just kind of inspired by it. If I had to actually compare Warm Bodies to Return of the Living Dead 3, I think this is the sweeter of the two films, but I think Return of the Living Dead 3 really has more of that Romeo and Juliet tragedy throughout. This kind of ends on a happy note, where Return of the Living Dead 3 did not. Am I really comparing those two films? No, not really. It's just that one kind of did the same concept many years before. Despite a lot of the love story aspects taking over the actual horror and even some of the more comedic moments, because at its heart, this is an honest-to-God, true love story. But I even wonder about that. It seems like Julie may have a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome because she seems to really empathize with R and even falls for him before he's even more human-like. I would imagine even though this movie wraps up nicely with him seemingly becoming alive again, did she fall for him because he said that he was keeping her safe, where in reality he was keeping her there for his own selfish reasons because he finally felt that one connection to someone that was not a zombie? That one thing that he seemed to be searching for all this time? And that's another thing, it makes me wonder, did he really fall for her because he fell for her? Or did he fall for her because he ate her boyfriend's brain and got his memories, so those memories made him feel maybe the same things that Perry, Julie's boyfriend, felt about Julie? It would have been nice to actually been provided those answers. We don't need those answers necessarily, it just would have been something more to flesh it out a little bit. A lot of things that happen in the film Warm Bodies as opposed to the book, everything happens simply at a rapid pace. It moves too fast for its own good. It's great to have a fast-moving movie or even a two-hour movie that feels like a 90-minute movie, but this 90-minute film, I believe it's only slightly over 90 minutes, it feels like a 70-minute film 
And I think that's all because the movie could have used a little bit more time to breathe. Let's flesh out that relationship. Let's flesh out the ideas that's going through R's mind as a zombie. We only get a tiny bit of that. But if we would have got too much of it, would it have actually benefited the story? Or would it have made the movie drag because it would have been too much? It's really tough to say on that. I myself would have gladly traded a tightly paced almost too tightly paced film for one that allowed itself to breathe a little bit to actually flesh the entire story as well as the concepts that are presented out. As much as I did enjoy this movie back in the day, I still enjoy it now. It's just that the film that was given to us left me wanting more. It left me wanting more back then. It leaves me wanting more now. One thing I do like is the fact that the movie seems to deal with a loss of connection. And they're talking about here is that loss of a human connection. These zombies are completely isolated from the world around them. They're isolated from the living because all they want to do is eat us and eat our brains. The living are also scared of the dead and want to fight back and reclaim their world because the dead simply took over. It's just that I can't help but think that director Jonathan Levine was trying to go for something a little bit different. I don't remember this theme being present in the book. It could have been, but I don't remember that aspect. As much as I do have complaints about the pacing of the film and that some of the concepts weren't taken far enough, it seems like this loss of connection was really Jonathan Levine's way of infusing his film with a little bit of that Romero flair where it's not just a horror film, it's not just a love film. It's a film that could make you think a little bit. It's just not carried across far enough. Overall, I think the casting for Warm Bodies was pretty well done. I think everybody involved does a great job. I only really have issues with one person, and that's John Malkovich. He's a little over the top, and honestly, when isn't he over the top with his acting? He always seems to go too far. I don't know. I know that he's a great actor and all. Just everything that I've ever seen him in, he seems over the top, and it's no different here. Also, I think the direction by Jonathan Levine, I think it's really well done. I like some of his visual flair. I also was a fan of his previous effort, 50-50, as well as the one that came after, the night before. He seems to have a good eye for some pretty amazing shots. One that I really liked in Warm Bodies was the dream sequence. I thought the dream sequence when R is remembering Perry's thoughts, I think that that was well done. And also the moment when R actually falls asleep, which is not something that the dead do. They don't sleep. It was pretty cool to see that it was almost a self-aware that he was almost being visited by Perry, which he does in the book. So it's almost a nice little nod to something that happened in the book. So that human connection, that's pretty much the thing that heals the dead. It allows them to become alive again. I wish that there would have been more, and I don't even know how they could have fixed that. It's just something that I've been thinking about ever since I said about it earlier in the episode. It bugged me last night when I watched this movie again with not seeing it for a couple years. It's just that I don't know if that's strong enough to really make the dead alive again. And if they do become alive again, are they still dead? I mean, they, they wind up bleeding. I'd imagine they would have a heartbeat. You do actually see the heart start to beat again when it shows it in their chest. So 
I just don't know if they would really be considered alive again. While this is definitely something that could have been tackled more in the film, I'd imagine that author Isaac Marion probably expanded on it in his book series. There's actually four Warm Bodies books out there. There was only one written when this film was made, so who knows? Maybe I could get my answers if I would read the books. I don't know. I only ever read the first one. I didn't know that the sequels were actually out. But anyway, we're getting into the book conversation, and I want to keep it focused on the movie. The only other thing that really bothered me about the movie is the fact of the bonies. They're a extra rotten version of the undead. I wonder how they're able to move so fast and so sleek. And also, I don't know how you would have done it practical, but they don't really hold up now with today's special effects. It always kind of bugs me about CGI. It never completely looks natural. It also seems to age a film a little bit more. With that said, it's hard to believe that this movie is almost 10 years old. It is a film that I liked when it first came out and I still like it today. If you haven't seen the film or if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend that you do both. They're both good in their own right. It is a little bit of a different experience. I think the book is infinitely better than what was presented in the movie, but the movie itself is still well worth your time if you haven't seen it. And you do know that Valentine's Day is coming up, so maybe it would be a good one to watch with the one you love. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, be kind and good night.